episode 19 of Vague Zone. I am one of your hosts, Daniel, and joining me as always is... Thomas, hey. <laughs> and today we are discussing Sound of Metal. Uh, do you, can you read us the synopsis from IMDb, Thomas? Yep, so, so Sound of Metal. A heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into free fall when he begins to lose his hearing. And yeah, this is a, a 2019 movie. It was officially kind of released onto streaming and everything this year. It's by writer-director Darius Martyr, and it stars Riz Ahmed. And yeah, this was my choice this week, so I'm going to ask you, what were your thoughts of Sound of Metal? Um, I loved this movie. I thought it was excellent. Um, Riz Ahmed is fantastic in this role. Uh, and, and it's weird, because it's like, I feel like his performance isn't a big, showy performance, uh, it's pretty grounded. He's just a guy who's going through a lot of turmoil. Definitely. But it's so damn good. And it's such just like a well-composed movie. I It's about 120 minutes, I think. And I saw some people complaining about the pacing, saying that it was too slow. But I, I thought it was totally fine. I don't know yeah, how you felt. I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel that way at all. Yeah, I thought it was a really lovely, sweet, very small, intimate movie. I was expecting a little bit more music, but the music that we do get is really energetic and really passionate when we do get it. And yeah, I, I was let down slightly in that regard, but I still think this is a fantastic, beautiful movie. Yeah, held down by a fantastic performance by Riz Ahmed. But yeah, yeah, just the entire plot of this artist who identifies his entire life as just attached to being a musician and kind of being in this world and then having his hearing taken away from him is just... just a heartbreaking a really rough story but yeah it's 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 gorgeous the way that they do it yeah it's fucking crushing the idea of losing your hearing as a musician like i remember when i walked dogs i had a i had to break up a fight between a couple dogs and one of them just like clamped down on my hand and i had to like be rushed to the hospital to uh get it looked at yeah i remember that but the thought of not being able to play guitar again, because I, I was in a band at that time, it scared the shit out of me. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I can't imagine the feeling of losing your hearing. Like, so so this character, he's on tour in the middle of it, too. And I remember, like, just practicing with my buddies. I was in, like, a hardcore punk band. And they would be, my drummer friend would be banging those cymbals. And if I didn't have ear protection i was scared <laughs> i was really scared because definitely there were times where it, it, it yeah it freaks me out how loud it was yeah no even on a smaller kind of relation to that like my buddy has this uh practice space at the oakland music complex and it was really nice to be able to go there and play music but there's this massive pa system in our practice space mm-hmm. and sometimes you know, I'd be, I had a couple beers, you know, smoked a little bit, and I wasn't quite sure how to turn on the amp, and I've almost, like, deafened everybody in the room by yeah, turning up. Yeah, it's just, like, feedback like, or something? Yeah, just, like, or just the volume is up. Well, you know, I forgot to turn the volume down, or there's something small like that. You know, you just turn on the amp at the wrong time, and then everyone yeah. in the room is, like, fucking A. Like, the like, fuck like, out. Yeah, yeah. It's like, we, like, we want to be able to hear when we're older. And, and so, yeah, something as precious as that to, to kind of be taken away from this character is just really heavy and yeah i think they handle it really well and yeah it's a because this movie (laughs) sad movie it does such a good job of like okay so the sound design it is really illustrating what this character is going through like you're hearing the ringing of the ears you're hearing everything become muffled and like this sounds dumb but it kind of reminded me of uh, a quiet place Except that A Quiet Place, I think, has really bad sound design. Like, that's a movie that's all about, like, yeah, trying to remain agree. trying to remain quiet and uh, the importance of being quiet. But it's a very loud movie in a way that I feel like works against it. And, like, this is just such a good... I don't know. Like, it, it's weird to say that you should listen to this with a good sound... You should see this movie with a good sound system since it's a movie about a man losing his hearing. Good but, point. Yeah, but, the yeah. Con- the contrast is really nice, yeah, because like they're a noise band, like they're this metal, like I don't even know how to describe it, but it's like a kind of a noisy metal band, and so yeah. those first couple of songs that we hear are just like really aggressive and have just a ton of energy <laughs> stored within them, and then when that is removed from 
the character Ruben's life, yeah, it's just like there's like this absence. Yeah, you can definitely feel it. And then when they play with just the nuances of how he's able to hear things, it's just, yeah, it's really well done because there's moments where it's completely silent. And then when we do get a little bit of sound, whether it be just like the people signing or, you know, just having dinner, there's just like little clanks of like the forks and everything like that, but it's still relatively quiet. But it's pretty monumental because, yeah, it's all about just the the sound and when that's gone like you just miss that in your life so much yeah um should we get into the breakdown of things a little bit yeah um see as we said this is about a drummer losing his hearing um it's a drummer and a noise metal duo with his girlfriend yeah and he starts to they're on tour together they're in an airstream rv and he starts to realize he's losing his hearing i think during a performance and he immediately goes to a pharmacist to, uh, to talk to them about, like, what is going on. Pharmacist directs him to a doctor who he's able to say, see immediately. And the doctor tells him, they, they do some tests. Doctor tells him that he can only hear about 20% of the words being spoken to him. And that he needs to preserve what hearing he has. And if they are able to, you know, learn a bit, little bit more about the seriousness of his condition, then he may be able to explore... Uh, is it pronounced cochlear implants or cochlear implants? Uh, I think it's cochlear. But <laughs> cochlear actually, I was, was going to say, he doesn't find out during a performance. He finds out when they're, like, setting up the merch table. Like, they're just doing something oh, really yeah. unassuming. Like, there's the really aggressive first performance. And then they're like, yeah, they're just, like, bullshitting before a show, setting yeah, up, like, a shirt thing. Chatting. And then, yeah, it just switches. And then, like, his hearing goes out. And then he has, like, this really odd moment where he's just trying to process everything. And his reaction to it is strange because, like... The intensity of it, at least what is being communicated to the audience with the sound design, it feels like if that happened to me, I would be freaking the fuck out. Like, I would be yeah, like, I would leave definitely. this room. I would be like putting my fingers in my ears trying to figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. He kind of keeps it on the down low. Yeah, um, there's a little bit of that in the second performance when he's trying to like play it off and then the song ends and he just storms out of the room but yeah that, yeah that first little weird moment where it's like yeah it's just really strange and he goes to the doctor and the doctor is trying to communicate with him but there's like a little bit of a struggle yeah and the doctor spells out for him like you need to preserve what hearing you have you need to avoid all loud noises and then we cut to him performing yeah. um later that night i assume later that night uh, and so there is this feeling that, yeah, he's in complete denial about uh, the seriousness of what he's experiencing. And so, yeah, after that that performance, he just, as soon as he finishes the song, he just rushes out of the room and he's freaking out on the side of the building. And his girlfriend, Lou, has to run out and figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah, and I like the way that they introduce their relationship because the first time we see them, they're performing together and then it's later revealed when he wakes up next to her in bed that they're actually a couple together yeah. and they're doing this like traveling you know doing the traveling white stripes thing they're, they're they're together they're happy and they're performing music on the road but then yeah once he he loses that that ability to hear like they kind of go into crisis mode and they head to a doctor's to figure out what to fucking do and it's also in that scene where they wake up in bed together that you see her arm and it's got scars on it and yeah. so it's revealed that she's a cutter um, yeah, yeah. Or she has a history of cutting. And so as soon as he he reveals to her that he's lost his hearing, uh, they're kind of freaking out. They he, he starts smoking again, which really scares Lou because it turns out he is someone who has a history of addiction. Yeah. Um, so she calls his sponsor to see if, if there's anything um, he can do to help them because it's such a stressful time that she's afraid he's going to... Um, you know, return to to drugs. We we later find out it was heroin that he was on. But um so they get in touch with this support group for uh addict recovering addicts who are deaf. And that is when here let me catch up in our notes here. Um Yeah, because I like the actor who plays him a lot and it's a, a really nice contrast to the because Hannah, these actors feel a little bit on the young side. So it's nice to have uh, yeah, I think it's Paul Ra Paul Rossi or Paul Rossi, I think. Yeah, Paul, Paul Rocky or <laughs> but yeah, he, so he's really great as this older mentor deaf character in this movie who is in charge of the community for recovering addicts who are also deaf and 
you know, he kind of just lays down the law and tells him that if he wants to stay here, like, he can't drive, he can't do anything. He basically has to just be entirely involved in this community. Yeah, and he tells him that Lou has to leave. That yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it can only be Ruben. He has to come in alone, and he has to give up his phone and all that. And at first, like, Ruben is really against this. He doesn't want to be apart from Lou. Um, but Lou, Lou leaves. She packs up her stuff because she tells him, you know, he's got to get his shit together. Um so we after she leaves we get this moment between reuben and joe where joe asks him like how long have you been clean and he says two years and he says how long have you and lou been together and he says two years and so like what 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 like the vibe i'm getting from that is that basically reuben has redirected that energy that he was investing into his addiction it's weird to say he's investing energy into his addiction but like he's replaced whatever made addiction appealing to whatever importance he got from being in a relationship that's sort of the sense i got from it definitely yeah the, t- the timelines line up in a way that it, it it suggested that okay like it's very possible that this one need in ruben's life was replaced with this other kind of relationship or connection with someone else yeah, he went from doing heroin to being valued. And the fact that I think Lou is a cutter means that, you know, he, he was a figure in her life who was help, who was fulfilling some needs that, that she had so that they were, like, helping each other and fixing each other. Yeah, and what I sort of read it was that they were very broken or sort of maybe even incapable separately but together they were very successful and they're able to make really dope music and go on tour and, and have a life that works to a certain extent yeah it's it might just be uh a shift of dependencies like they're dependent yeah. on each other and he was formerly dependent on drugs i guess yeah um, and, and the the little bit of time that we get with him i i was totally into it like he wastes her up with the drumstick and i was like all right this is fucking adorable like yeah that was cool. <laughs> i'm gonna steal that move in the future <laughs> that was a cool detail yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they like they're really charming together and the music is nice and it, it like it's it all works a lot and when it starts to turn into this really crisis mode for the couple like when they start to fall apart it's it, it hurts a lot because yeah, yeah. He, he has to kind of just like make this really tough decision and then she pushes it further by just choosing to leave yeah um yeah i've actually been in a relationship with someone who cut themselves uh, years ago and so i don't know the feeling of and that like that was at a time where i was like a very depressed person and i think i had to go through the realization that i was using my relationship to distract me from my own depression and she was probably using the relationship to you know avoid facing some of her own issues yeah totally and so yeah so this part really kind of hit me um but uh yeah Yeah, so go ahead i was gonna say the first chunk of this movie is is really heavy and like they handle it very well but there's some really like depressing i don't know depressing but there's just some some really cold moments where he's getting the the test to get his ears like sorry he's doing the test for his hearing and Mm -hmm. he's on the other side of this double-sided window with the doctor and there's a shot where he's like basically matched up with the doctor on on the other side but it it just felt really cold to me and yeah i don't know just like depicting that side of something just so hurtful and human to be something to to lose a sense like this you know you want to have people close to you and i, I yeah. it felt very cold just like that shot and so yeah, yeah the first half of this movie just kind of nail, nails in like his isolation and it being a problem he has to deal with it on his own yeah like the way that scene is framed it's we're looking over the shoulder of or at, not even over the shoulder it's like at the back of the doctor and the doctor is facing ruben who is on the other side of some class and they're communicating he's the doctor is communicating to him through ruben's headphones so the doctor is saying words and Ruben has to try and understand what word was said and repeat it back to him. And over the course of the scene, you kind of, you slowly just see Ruben kind of give up. Like he's, he's no longer looking at the doctor. He's just looking down and understanding that like, yeah, this is not fucking working. Um, Yeah. And it's really rough. And I think 
yeah, the, this movie really captures those moments really well. And that, that's, that's like the main point. Yeah. It's just he, when he like, I feel like he has like a very small little, like a little world built around him. And then once he loses his hearing, it just, that rug just gets ripped under him yeah. just very quickly. And so, uh, so Ruben joins, joins this, this group, this deaf community, and he is given the task of learning to be deaf basically. And he is sent to, uh, he, he joins a bunch of school children who are, I don't, like, I don't know, is it just a class for deaf kids? It's just like a, I guess that's all yeah. it is. They have a deaf teacher. They have multiple deaf teachers. Yeah, I assumed it was a, a relationship with this community that he has with a local school that's just with deaf youth. And so there's just a connection between this place where people go to, you know, to heal and fix themselves. And then yeah. this smaller school or something like that. But he's just immersing himself within deaf culture and he's lear- slowly learning sign language. And we reach a point in the movie where he, one day he wakes up early and he's fixing the roof. And I really like this scene because uh, Joe, the man who's in charge of this community comes out and he sees Ruben. He's like, Ruben, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm fixing your roof. You know, there's a problem here on the side of your roof. And then he he seems kind of pissed off. He's like, get down. Like, um, he's like, you don't need to fix anything here. And he tells him, he's like, I'm going to I'm gonna give you an assignment. Like, what I want you to do is I want you to wake up early. Is 5.30 good for you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, 5.30 is good. He's like, all right, well, what about 5? Let's do 5. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to wake you up early. I'm going to give you a pot of coffee. And I want you to sit in a room with a notepad. I just want you to sit there until you can't sit there any longer. And then I want you to start writing until you can't write any longer. Um, yeah, I like Joe. He's a very reasonable drill instructor because clearly Ruben needs this like boundaries in his life. And, you know, someone screaming at him isn't going to work. And so, I like, yeah, like the Joe's approach is just very like, oh, 530 is uh, not, that's not good. All right, let's do 5 a.m. <laughs> let's do a little like 30 minutes yeah. earlier. And Joe, like... Gives him a little bit of his own history where he's like, look, I was an alcoholic and I lost my hearing in Vietnam and I became an alcoholic. And when I became an alcoholic, I lost my family. He's like, I didn't lose my family because of my hearing. I lost my family because of my addiction. And so he relates with him on being an addict. Um, And so I think that's, yeah, that's what this whole fixing the roof thing is about. It's like uh ruben is looking for a purpose he's looking for some place to direct his energy when really what he needs to do is just learn how to accept this the stillness and learn to be okay without distracting himself from whatever his problems may be and he needs yeah. to meditate on those problems and so you know he starts doing this exercise and he continues uh doing his work with the kids at the nearby school he begins to bond with the kids. Um, there's a scene where someone's playing piano and him and all the kids are touching the piano and just feeling the vibrations. And then later on we get we get like a we get this long montage of him just like growing as a part of this community. You know, he's like bonding with different uh, deaf people. He's designing a tattoo for a woman there. Um, yeah, I like this this montage a lot because it it does start off a little bit on on the sad note but it gets a little bit more hopeful as it goes on because yeah yeah i was really <laughs> struck by the dinner scene of him sitting there and he, like whenever the shot is behind ruben it's completely silent but then there'll be, yeah it'll be matched with like a shot of just the entire table and then there's just like the clanks of the forks and just like yeah just here just like a little a little bit but not a lot but just that difference is just monumental yeah and you, you'll like and it'll do a thing where you're going back and forth between what he's hearing and just, like, the external, like, what what does this scene actually sound like? What does dinner yeah. with deaf people actually sound like? They're fucking yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah. They're, like, hitting the table and shit. Because, yeah. like, to get someone's attention, you can't be like, hey, you just, like, have to hit the table to, like, get their attention. And... Yeah, the clanking and everything is just... Yeah, they're a lively really, crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, very expressive despite having this one slight thing difference yeah Yeah. um so yeah ruben he kind of just becomes a part of the community and he seems to be doing really well but while this is happening he occasionally sneaks off to use a computer in i probably joe's office 
and he goes in there to check in on Lou to see if she sent him an email, but then he also checks on uh, the band's website to see how things are going. And it turns out Lou has been doing experimental music on her own, uh, solo stuff in Paris. Um, so Ruben becomes determined to get back to Lou because he's, af- he's afraid of losing what they had. And so he starts selling off all of their equipment in their uh, Airstream RV. He sells the RV itself, and he ends up getting enough money to cover the cost of the cochlear implants, which are like $40,000 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah, we're, we're spoiling the whole fucking movie, <laughs> um, yeah. as we always do. Definitely, um, yeah. At this point, it's like there is a moment where I'm like, okay, like is he going to just pursue the life of being a deaf person? Because Joe mentions multiple times at this point, he's like, we don't see being deaf as a disability we don't see this as something that you've lost like we embrace this here and like that's that's yeah. our whole mo and yeah and so, so ruben is kind of like there's some moments where he is is into like learning everything like the scene where he's like racing with the alphabet with the other kid that he sort of has the yeah relationship with like he has like that like little moment with him he's like doing like a drum beat on the slide and the kid like lays his ear on the slide and they have like a nice connection moment and so yeah it hints at that he might be into into this world and into this life but you know yeah he's finding ways to adapt yeah yeah like he is into it at uh, in some ways but also he sells all of his music equipment and and, like basically guts his rv first and then he's like is this enough and that's not enough and then he sells the entire rv but then and then makes like a kind of a sketchy deal with the guy saying hey like i'm gonna sell this to you now but i want to be able to buy it back from you from with like ten percent more in yeah. eight weeks, and, like, eight and weeks. Also, yeah. When that part came up, I was like, "Oh, I was like, hold on a second, like this is just like a weird <laughs> deal." I was like, "Why are you making a deal with this dude to buy this RV back?" That, that, he that's what he, <laughs> he thinks he can get money from Lou's dad because Lou's dad is rich. Yeah, yeah. That that was the moment when I was like, "Okay, Ruben isn't quite in. He's not quite ready to fix himself just yet. Like he is still yeah. going to find a way to." to get back into this regular way he was living before. So yeah, like you said, he sells his RV for 26,000 with this idea that, okay, I'll sell it to you for 26,000. If in eight weeks I can buy it back for 10% more. So after he sells it, he gets the implants and then he goes to Joe to basically tell Joe, like what has happened? <laughs> like, Hey, look, I I've gotten these implants. Do you mind if I continue to stay here for an additional four weeks? Uh, until they can activate them. And he also says, uh, he also asks him for money because he says he wants to be able to buy the RV back. Yeah. And Joe, Joe says, y- you're talking like an addict right now. And he ta- he like reminds him, like, this is a community for the deaf. Um, we are communicating that being deaf isn't uh, a disability. It's not, you're not missing something. Yeah. And to allow someone to be here who has these implants, that goes against that message. And it goes against what we're trying to do here. And he's like, so I have to ask you to leave. Um, so it's a tough scene, too. Yeah, that is a really great moment between both of these characters. Because, yeah, it's not like a, a, a moment where they are blowing up at each other. It's not like, at all, man. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Riz is just very humbly and like very sheepishly asking like yeah like like i'm not sure like if you just give me a little bit of money to buy back it's like you know yeah he has one sketchy deal behind him and he's like approaching he's talking to this it's like another it's like a sketchy request and yeah yeah, it's just it's just so heartbreaking when he's like yeah you're talking like an addict right now and then yeah yeah the the theme of the movie sort of clicks fully i'm like yeah like he pawned off everything that he had to sort of preserve this lifestyle that just isn't realistic anymore isn't isn't the reality anymore yeah it's just it's two characters saying what they don't want to be saying to each other and like having to um so yeah ruben's asked to leave and he goes and just like lives in a motel for a little while and when he gets the implants activated it turns out they don't sound anything like his old sense of hearing the noise is kind of terrible um it's almost sounds like someone tuning a staticky radio or something like that 
Yeah, and there, like, I was reading about this a little, a little bit on some forums and people reacting, and they were saying that it's a little unrealistic that they wouldn't have totally told him the entire possibility of it sounding not quite normal. But it's also Ruben was entirely dead set on having this. Yeah, and he expresses like this is going to fix it. This procedure is going to fix everything, and that's how he's explaining it to everyone else in the movie. Or he explain he that's how he explains it to Lou. And so yeah. The, the fucking moment when he hears it is just like this, just incredibly heart-wrenching moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I was like, my hands were just cl- like clamped on my mouth because I was just speechless. Because yeah, him turning it on and then just hearing just like this robotic, metallic-y sounding version yeah. of of like the doctor talking to him, and she's like, "Is it good?" And he's like, "No, it's bad." Like it's just yeah, really bad. he spent just... he sold everything he owned to buy this thing yeah. that. <laughs> isn't anywhere close to what he wanted. It's like, this movie reminds me of, like, Bicycle Thief. Have you seen Bicycle Thief? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, the same sort of, like, gut-wrenching awfulness that is, like, very... It's a simple story, but it's, like, yeah, like a punch in the face. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the the very basic thing of... Like and we're in the in the Christmas season of yeah, like I sold everything to be able to get you know this haircut, but now I don't have any hair. But like okay, well <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like well, not like the the whole reason for doing it is just fucking null, and yeah, it's just held down by the performances and just the direction of everything because he comes in and it's I think it's like it might be muffled sound for that, but then when they activate it, yeah, there's just this this brief moment where she's calibrating it and. She's like, oh, like, is it a little bit better now? And he's like, no, like, it's they're like, they're they're just trying to get it right. But then, like, they stop and like, well, it's not going to sound normal because this is a piece of technology trying to decipher sound and make your brain think that it's working, you know, so. And it's also from what I've heard is like it they tend to work pretty well for uh, like children, like implanting these for children. I think they mm. their brain has more time to develop to understand what it is, you know, uh, I processing, that, yeah. I guess. But like, yeah, an adult who loses their hearing late in life, this is probably a, a pretty difficult experience. And like, I think just in general, they take to varying degrees um, the implants. But um, yeah, it's a super heavy scene, but then there's still a, like a lot of good things that they sort of play with after that because he still kind of he goes on with his life a little bit yeah so ruben goes to paris he's gotten the implants like now it's time to go see lou again so uh he goes to her father's house uh, richard and richard and him have a have a talk where richard says he didn't like ruben initially and that he was afraid that when Ruben came into her life, that really what was happening was Ruben was taking Lou away from him. But he realized that it wasn't Lou taking it wasn't it wasn't Ruben taking Lou away. Um, Lou's mother had already taken her away when they had separated, and she had taken her away again when she took her own life. So Lou's mom had committed suicide, and so when Ruben had entered her life, um, Ruben was a good thing for her. Ruben was introducing happiness and richard says and that's what matters right and yeah, which, yeah it's a really nice sentiment that they deliver really concisely yeah and it's it, i don't know it's a little strange the way he says and that's what matters right because it feels like he's trying to tell him like hey look <laughs> it feels like he's setting him up for what happens in the rest of this movie which is that um we get the scene of lou performing a song with her father and Ruben is watching. They, they, his father, her, her father had like a dinner party that night, and they're performing this song together for the party. And Ruben's watching, and we're seeing them sing, they perform the perform the song, and we're hearing it with our normal hearing. And then we get the subjective audio from Ruben's perspective, and we realize that he he's hearing something completely different. Yeah, he's he, he's hearing something far far if you want to be subjective he's hearing a far lesser version of the the very poetic sound that we're hearing yeah um super unfortunate but yeah the the slow push in of that shot because yeah they they linger on yeah the father and the daughter singing this really beautiful french song and yeah we slowly kind of turn over to ruben 
and we get close onto his face and then once we're close on it, it like it switches and then it's just like this yeah it sounds like yeah like this really metallic unhuman yeah it sounds like unhuman. it's being played through a game boy or something like that yeah 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 um and then so her and ruben end up spending the night together and while they're laying in bed uh ruben talks to her about possibly getting the band back together going back on tour like getting things back to the way they were and that you know he's just got to get some financial stuff figured out because he had sold everything <laughs> um but and as he's talking about this he notices that lou starts to scratch her arm and it's the same arm that she used to cut herself on so it's clear she's getting anxious and he just keeps telling her it's okay like it's okay and she's like what do you what do you mean like why are you saying that and he tells her you saved my life um and she tells him you saved my life too and in the morning he leaves and so he goes out and he's sitting on a park bench in paris and he has his implants in and there's a couple boys skateboarding and he hears the sound of them arguing and skating and he's just listening through his implants to the world around him and then these church bells start ringing and it's this overbearing sound and finally he takes the implants out and he just sits there in silence and he sits there for a very long time and he just enjoying the silence and that's how the movie ends and so it's it's referring back to the stillness that joe talked about earlier in the movie where it's you know you write until you can write no longer and until you can find a sense of stillness and just appreciate that stillness and to to get away from everything and to get away what is clouding your brain get away from the feeling that you need to be fixing everything and so that's why he breaks things off with um lou at the end it's it's this realization like you know we've 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 done for each other what what needed to be done and you're in a happier place i have found this community and i'm deaf i'm i'm in a new place in my life so we should just explore these new places um and appreciate you know what we've been given sort of thing um yeah i think yeah the lead up to that moment i think it goes i think it plays very well with the the theme of addiction and just kind of letting go of this older version of yourself and yeah his uh his mentor his mentor joe he mentions yeah t stillness and he gives him the assignment to to go in the room and write and at first he's extremely at like uh, apprehensive of that he goes and he smashes the donut and he just like, <laughs> yeah but... he's like sitting and writing and screaming which i relate to like shout out yeah. to, to, to that extremely relatable writer moment but he yeah eventually gets to the point where he's able to go into this room and express himself and and not have it be this extremely aggressive thing and yeah i think it ties into the performance with the father and the daughter and he's watching and yeah just a lot of the stuff at the party where he's like grasping and you know, he's trying to connect with this new technology that he has and he's just it's not working and he's it's trying like to use that to connect to the people around him and like he's completely by himself at that party not talking to anybody because everything is it's so overwhelming yeah and it's like there would be so much more peace if he just didn't have <laughs> he that just turned it off just, yeah yeah just able to be in that space as he was in the deaf community and so yeah when he sits down at the bench there's this really beautiful moment yeah we're everything is just really artificial sounding all around him. And there's just the, the sound design is just fantastic. When he is just like, yeah, like the bell towers is going crazy and the kids are, there's just a lot of just noise and he just rips off the, the implant. And then just kind of has this moment of stillness that has yeah. been suggested to him throughout the entire movie. And then he finally kind of, he achieves it. And yeah, it's just a really nice poetic moment to end the movie on. And it's great. Cause so we get the shot of the skateboarders, we get the shot of the bells, and then he pulls the implants out and we're just looking at him, and then we get the shot of the skateboarders again and the shot of the bells, but now we're hearing nothing. And yeah. so it, like, completely recontextualizes those images. Like, we're not hearing the kids argue. Like, it's just stillness. We're not seeing... We're not hearing the bells ring. It's just a building, a motionless building. And he just sits there and sort of... Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a different understanding of the world. Yeah, it's really nice, and there's a lot of mo little smaller moments in this movie that are like that. I wrote down, um, uh, there's a moment in 
I think I actually might have mentioned it, but yeah, I think, yeah, I, I appreciate the sound design in this movie because I feel like it could have been gratuitous with moments like that where they were like, oh yeah, like here's something diegetic and here's something non-diegetic and we're just going to like flip the light switch back and forth. But I think they do it in a way that is nuanced in a way that is slow. It's like there could be a ton of scenes towards the tail end of this movie where it's uh, Ruben hearing things through something, sorry, Ruben hearing things through his implants that sounds artificial, but the fact that the main scene that happens is him watching his girlfriend sing with, like, the father, it, it just, it, it rounds it out in a way that just has a lot more impact. And Yeah. Yeah, I just appreciated the, the decisions of the movie that they made. Um, one criticism I've seen is that, like, people with cochlear implants feel that this is demonizing cochlear implants. Mm-hmm. Um, or like taking a stance against them, and I I could see that reading. Um, I think yeah. I think it makes sense why Joe would ask him to leave because he's trying to build a support community where it's like imagine if a newly deaf person like him came in and there was already a few people there with these implants. Like, would his recovery have functioned the same way, or would he have just been fixated on like how do I get one of those sort of thing? Yeah, exactly, and it's it's framed as like yeah, he runs a really tight ship, but uh, a really tight ship. But also like yeah, like I totally get it because Ruben is a recovering addict and definitely would benefit from more boundaries and things like that. And if your leader is telling you things, but then you know you can just go and get a procedure to get that thing fixed, and then your problems. Yeah, are you're gonna be fighting him the whole way. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just gonna be an uphill battle, and the whole entire situation's not gonna work. Um, yeah, I think. And another criticism I think is the note about the doctors not being fully clear about just when we give you this this implant, it's going to sound not exactly like you experienced yeah. it, and so that moment is like is is a really big moment but i i think it's is great because his character is so you know like i said he's his character is already super dead set on it and so i believe that he might have got told that information and then ignored it just, or just yeah, like you know he's so in denial anyway like yeah. he was told not to go out and play music and he still did that yeah yeah totally and so i could totally see that he would hear a warning and then totally ignore it but yeah, besides those 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 small things, I think this is a fantastic movie. This is one of my favorite movies of the year. If if it was officially released this year, I think it, it is. Then it might be my, one of my favorite movies, like top three easily. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out if I like this more than Possession. They're totally different movies, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this feels like it just feels so solid because it. Yeah, like I said, it reminds me of Bicycle Thief. Um, the end of this kind of reminded me of 400 blows in a way, just like the final scene. Um, I don't know why. (laughs) I think maybe it's just the uh, length of time we spend on his face. It kind of gave me a similar feeling as the length of time we spend watching Antoine Duanel just like run across the screen. Um, See, I've not seen 400 400 blows. blows? It's on my my list. (laughs) I'll probably watch it very soon. I've been watching so many movies recently, so it'll probably get in there. Uh, well, what have you been watching lately, then? <laughs> yeah, I've, like, let me pause for a moment. I've been watching a lot of stuff, but the most recent movie screening that stuck out to me was this Saturday, my family, uh, we had our a younger cousin stay over the night, and this cousin's nine years old, and he's super, super stoked about superhero movies and shit, so yeah. we, watched Spider- we watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. and it's a movie that I love, too, but it was really cool to watch this movie through the eyes of a nine-year-old who was just <laughs> listing off facts and, like, just anything that he could, like, possibly say, just, like, rattling it off to my mom and just, like, just giving any fact about, oh, yeah, like, that's Nicolas Cage, who's the voice of, like, the, <laughs> the, the noir spider. He's a huge Nicolas and, Cage fan. Yeah, it's just, he's a big fan of the Wicker Man. But yeah, he, he's you're like going crazy over this movie and like just like just talking over most of it. But like my parents were into it; they'd never seen it. And so yeah, we all had a good time watching this movie. But then the credits roll. He does the typical child thing. The credits roll. He gets up and he starts running around, <laughs> getting distracted with other things. Yeah. And then 
the after credit scene starts to come on. He's like, wait, what, wait, what a second. What's happening right now? And I was just like, sit down and just shut up and watch this because like, clearly this is something you haven't experienced yet. And so the end credit scenes roll and yeah, it's like this whole teaser for like Spider-Man, like in the suit in like the future or something. With a yeah. Different 2099 suit. or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And like that whole scene, it's like, it's ridiculous, but yeah, it was just super funny to watch that as my younger cousin who had never seen it before, super ADD'd out, just like to see him kind of sit down and watch this post credit scene for the first time. And I was like, yeah, like just sit down and, like, and watch this for a second. And yeah, he was just like super nerded out. And there's this really nice moment where, yeah, like I was kind of jaded about superhero movies and a lot of stuff, but seeing the Spider-Man movie through the eyes of like a nine-year-old black kid who was just like super, yeah. super stoked about every single thing Miles Morales. It was really, really That's cool. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah, it, like, yeah, it was a nice little Christmas moment. I was like, all right, cool. Like, I like, I got a little bit of Christmas cheer back in me watching Spider Man, and yeah, in, Into the Spider Verse is fantastic. It's just yeah. such a good movie. And so, it's cool that kids down. kids are growing up in an era where, my, like, for some kids, Miles Morales might be their default Spider Man now because of yeah. Spider Verse and the video game. Like, because when I was a kid, like. Spider-Man 2099 or whatever that thing is was out in like a, as a comic book. And I read, I read a little bit of it and like, I just thought it was kind of weird. Yeah, um, there's a lot of versions that were out. Yeah. There's the amazing Spider-Man or the basic one. And then, yeah, the movies came out when I was like nine or 10. And so then I had Tobey Maguire. So yeah. yeah but I always thought of, versions. yeah, I always thought of Peter Parker is like the default Spider-Man. That is the Spider-Man and anything else is an offshoot. But Absolutely, now, like, yeah. kids are growing up with Miles Morales, a movie, and it's the best superhero movie. Yeah, uh, it's, like, fantastic. And, it's like, really... this PS5 game, and so it's, like, you know, Peter Parker's just another Spider-Man to these kids, probably. Yeah, and there was this fantastic moment where, like, my parents were really into it, but also kind of clearly overwhelmed by just the sheer intensity of the animation yeah. of that movie just because it's awesome <laughs> it's so it's so colorful it's so relentless it's just a lot to watch and so there's like a lot of stuff happening and then like my nine-year-old little cousin is just like rattling off facts constantly in the corner I'm like <laughs> yeah it's, it's, just, like, it's, it's just like watching I was with doing? audio commentary <laughs> yeah it's like it was, was this what i was doing when i was nine years old watching you know like jurassic park and just talking over every single frame of this movie but just so enthusiastic about it that's so, awesome yeah, this is a great moment. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed rewatching that. And so yeah, what have you been watching this week? Um, I watched this movie on Shutter. It's a Shutter original called Host. And I had just okay. realized that in my lifetime, there have been three movies where one is called <laughs> The Host, another is called yeah. The Host, and another is called Host. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this one, it's um it sounds stupid. It's a séance Zoom movie. So it's about people in a Zoom okay. call in quarantine uh, having a seance huh. over video conference. And <laughs> okay. it's pretty well done. <laughs> like, hmm. it's it's very, the, the premise is stupid. And I could not get that out of the back of my mind that, like, seances are stupid. Like, literally all these characters do is light some candles and then bad shit starts happening. Like they yeah, don't, and... <laughs> yeah, they don't do any chanting. They're not drawing pentagrams or killing any animals or anything. It's just, yeah, they just and, light a candle. And I was going to say, you don't really like found footage fo films. either. Yeah. I'm not so in a found footage movies. <laughs> and this does do some ridiculous found footage stuff. Um, at one point, like a character is running around and I'm like, wait a minute, are we supposed to believe that this character is running around outside with their laptop? <laughs> um, <laughs> But they switched the cell phone mode. <laughs> but like it's only an hour long. Um it's like okay. fifty-five minutes maybe. Uh and it does a good job of turning from building into horror to turning into being something more playful. So it like it builds the horror and builds the tension and like weird shit's happening and everyone's freaking out. And then it just kinda it reaches a point where it's kind of no longer interested in that. And it's like, okay, well, what, what else can we do? So it shifts okay. into kind of playing around with our understanding of like how zoom works and stuff like that, where, um, hmm. one of the characters <laughs> has a custom background and like that comes into play or someone has like Snapchat filters and that comes into play. Okay. Nice, um, nice. I like that. And so, yeah, it's a pretty playful movie. And then, like I said, it's only an hour. So I don't know if you're, if you're looking for a quick, kind of 
like a fun horror watch. Uh, you don't want to yeah. dedicate too much time, then yeah, host host is solid. Um, Sounds good. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> Nice. But now we come to <laughs> yeah, we gotta talk about the, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, I'm really I, so I have a ton of thoughts. I'm gonna let you tell me what your thoughts are first. Okay, I, I thought the opposite was gonna happen. I was really <laughs> curious to hear your take on this episode because yeah, I thought this episode was really interesting. I <laughs> wanted to say like I didn't want I don't want to spoil any things before. I'll let you give your take. But I, I thought this level, I thought this episode was like low-key laughable because of just how rushed it felt and how, like like I, I said this before, like I feel like The Mandalorian is a fantastic show and I can watch the show forever, but I feel like it has an issue with these big moments where it, it, it tells you something big is going to happen and then when that big moment shows up, it doesn't feel monumental. It doesn't, it doesn't feel, feel very heavy, yeah. heavy at all. And so... The, the two biggest things, like I feel like this season was mainly about Mandalorian coming into a conflict with his belief systems that led him to taking off the helmet and, you know, the lit, like, sorry, I'm going to spoil it, but yeah, that yeah, yeah. leads him to taking off the helmet and leads, leads to fucking Grogu being taken off by this new mentor. <laughs> yeah. But both of those moments don't feel heavy at all. And it feels fucking silly to like when that X-wing showed up on the screen. I was like, "All right, like, like if a CGI like <laughs> walks off of this X-wing, I'm gonna laugh. Like, I'm gonna laugh my ass off because like I feel like they have all the resources to do all this amazing stuff, but then they make a decision that is really frustrating, rushed, and lazy to me in a way. So, yeah, it it was really strange. People are a lot of fans love it and say this is one of the greatest Star Wars things ever since Rogue One, and I find that very questionable and very strange because yeah it's just the same shit like y'all just want a, a hallway and a lightsaber flying I around i hated like, it man i feel like the like the just like the lightsaber have lsd in it and so when you see it swing around you're just you're just <laughs> entranced and you just don't care that it's just identical to something you've seen before <laughs> so uh, that's that was my main take on it it's really frustrating yeah i can be really mean right now but, uh, <laughs> yeah, i yeah. think i'm i i'm gonna try not to be um so I think, like, the first problem, just, like, at an episode level, is that, like, when this episode starts, you have uh, Din, the Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Cara Dune, Bo-Katan, um, the other Mandalorian, whose name I don't remember, and the assassin, I think her name's Fennec or something. Yeah. Um, so you have all five of these characters, or however many characters, and they're all kind of the same character. Like, they're all serious badasses. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And two of them are wearing helmets, so you can't even see their faces. And one of those two, it, Din, I think is somehow he's the one with the most emotion. Um, but, like, everyone, there's not, there's just no room for character dynamics at the beginning of this episode. Because everyone's kind of the same. So we, and, okay, one of the problems is this, this, show did a ton of work to introduce Boba Fett this season. And what have they done with him? Like, he's just <laughs> been hanging yeah. out this whole time. Um, he, he fights Bo-Katan for, like, and it's kind of feels pointless. <laughs> like, uh, it's it's a little tiff. Oh, he doesn't even fight her. He fights her friend. Which, even more pointless. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> like yeah, the flips her, over on, flips her over on the table. <laughs> um, so, when the X-Wing shows up, I was actually pretty excited. Uh, because okay. to me it's like because I do feel like this season has been building up to and it, and I think it only works if you've watched literally everything else if you've been exposed to all the other media um, yeah. and you're viewing this as a branch of a larger story um, then I think this has done an adequate job of building up to the idea that like we're going to hand him off to a Jedi we don't know who, which Jedi this is going to be there's like one of four that it could be but if, if they do Luke then it's going to be you know, they got some cojones if they're going Luke. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bold swipe. And, it, like, I was on Reddit reading the forums, and they're like, yeah, it could be a lot, a, a couple of Jedis. You know, yeah. It could be a good number of people. And I was okay with all of those choices. Yeah, and it feels like if they did anything else, it would have been, it just would have been more confusing for the audience. So, like, Luke yeah. is someone we all know and love. Sure, why not? Let's fucking do Luke. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they do Luke. And then my big problem was is with how they do Luke. And it's because of this fucking hallway scene. Because, yeah. okay, so the hallway, it is very intentionally calling back to the Darth Vader hallway scene in Rogue One. 
Um, there, which is a questionable scene in itself. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm okay with it because it's like, it, it fucking looks cool. <laughs> and it leads into A New Hope really well, I think. Um, I agree, I agree. But in this scene, it feels like they're not... It feels like what, what this is doing in terms of visual storytelling is that it is positioning Luke Skywalker very close to Darth Vader by giving yeah. them near identical circumstances and near identical scenes you are aligning them you are you are positioning them close to each other rather than far apart they could have given him a hallway scene and had the hallway scene play out completely differently like maybe he um just like parts the sea of these droids with the force maybe he yeah yeah, yeah maybe he like throws his lightsaber out and it like destroys them all and then it comes back to him and he calmly walks through you know like it, it feels like his behavior is almost exactly the same as darth vader's behavior so what they have done is they have said oh luke skywalker is just darth vader with a green lightsaber <laughs> like, yeah, he's just gonna show up and save them in this very badass manner and yeah and behave essentially the same and yeah when i was having this when, while I was watching this, I was like, okay, like, they're going to shoot around it and have him be cloaked and everything like that. Yeah. But I think that, like, having that mystery is okay a little bit for me, too. But, yeah, just just the lightsaber action just feels like it It just didn't seem like to have enough weight to me. Because, like, okay, like, they want to have him going down this hallway and kind of doing this swinging choreography stuff. And this, it looks really dramatic and grand that he saves everybody in this, yeah. in this way. But, but while I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, like this is the same way that Darth Vader <laughs> showed to get the plans for the death star and acted in the same exact way. And so yeah. we just yeah, replaced the plans <laughs> with Grogu and we replaced a uh, red lightsaber with a green one. Yeah. So it's super, yeah, super frustrating. And like, I believe that, Jean Favreau and Dave Filoni and all the crew understand what makes Star Wars cool, but I don't think they understand what makes good TV. And yeah, my my two biggest things, yeah, are the the helmet taking off. Of the I like the helmet and, taking off because I see, I thought. Okay, go ahead. I was gonna say I thought it would made so much more sense in this episode when he's literally saying goodbye to Grogu for an indefinite amount of time, as opposed to just a facial scan capture oh, okay. bullshit thing in a you know in an imperial base this makes more sense of like hey i've been with grogu since grogu since day one and i'm saying goodbye to him it would make sense to take off my helmet to show him my face and they've been building it up and so i understand that it was going to happen but yeah it it just felt odd that it happens in this kind of filler episode that comes before and yeah just this episode just, yeah. yeah it doesn't for, have for the same Luke's... dramatic weight when we're one episode away from him having taken it off already Exactly, yeah. yeah, and I think that Luke showing up and giving a really crucial, pivotal kind of bit of dialogue and speech to the to all of them also just didn't really work because the CGI isn't quite there fully for me. Yeah, and so it's so distracting. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, processing the CGI and just questioning. Yeah, I'm like, I don't even looks. know what he's saying right now because I'm so distracted. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like... Where was Sebastian Stan? Like, I know, Reddit that's what was I was really hoping for. <laughs> call, call up Sebastian Stan. That, He's like, on the Marvel payroll already. As we were watching, <laughs> Emily and I were like, are they going to do it? Is it going to be Sebastian Stan? Are they going to do it? No, when I saw the, when like, I saw oh, the X-Wing, I'm like, I was like, there's no way. Like, It's going to be a CGI Luke, and he's going to show up, and he's going to look super weird and... Yeah, it's just kind of a downer. <laughs> like once yeah, he reveals and, himself, and, it's like, oh, I don't know about yeah, this. And, and, yeah, when he says, may the force be with you, it just like it just like... Like, okay. It doesn't feel real. It just it doesn't feel like heavy, and so yeah, it kind of tested my my faith in the whole new Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I'm just like I'd rather have five good new Star Wars TV shows, and you guys make the Mandalorian two times or three times better, as opposed to just scattershotting and just making as many yeah, Star ten Wars thing. things. Because it's yeah, like, it's yeah. Like, give us one hour episodes, and I'll be happy. That, that's what I want. Because <laughs> it feels like, yeah, it feels like. Everyone just wanted, people who didn't like The Last Jedi were like, we want to see Luke Skywalker be a badass. And it's like, okay, well, here's Luke Skywalker being a badass. However, like, what does it mean? <laughs> like, yeah. what is... It's in the same exact fashion, yeah. It's like you, it's like someone whispering to George Lucas, like, hey, we need more lightsabers in the prequel trilogy, but then we get General Grievous with, you know, just nine arms yeah. swinging like crazy. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't very cool. <laughs> like, um, There's a scene in the most recent Clone Wars season 
where Darth Maul has a hallway scene. It's animated. Darth Maul has a hallway scene. And the way it plays out is, I think he's also fighting, I think he's fighting uh, clone troopers. But he, he doesn't have a lightsaber on him. And he's pulling panels, like these metal panels, off of the walls with the force. And he's, like, using one as a shield. And he's, like, throwing panels at the clone troopers. I think he, like, I think he, like, bisects one of them. I think it's implied that he, like, cuts one of them in half by, like, throwing these panels. And uh, at one point, like, one of them tries to escape through a door. and, And, like, as the door is closing, it's like a... It's closing like an aperture on a camera. Uh, he grabs the clone trooper with the force, his arm, and he pulls it through the hole. And so the the Ooh. door severs his arm. And so it's Damn. like, okay, so this is, we have, now we have a hallway scene that is, you know, referencing the Vader hallway scene. However, it, their actions are totally different. And it is actually saying something about who these characters are through their action. Yeah, absolutely. That's And that's something that is fucking there in the original trilogy of Star Wars when you have these lightsaber fights that feel like samurai battles they feel like night battles where it's like okay this there are a character versus a character it's not an expression of choreography like the fucking sequel trilogy which is just backflips and yeah. just like oh we're just swinging stuff around but like in return of the jedi like you can feel the character behind how luke is yeah using this lightsaber to fight his emotion is coming through yeah yeah, yeah, it's like he is angry and he is like using all of his strength to overcome, like overpower this person. And yeah, just like the way that they choreo- choreograph it is just so much more subtle. So much and more then like and... crushing the the droid, the dark trooper with the force. It was like I remember, like at the time I was watching it, I was just like, "This seems excessive." <laughs> like, <laughs> and then as I thought about it, about it, I was like, "That didn't feel that that felt really wrong." <laughs> like that felt off. I feel uh, that. Yeah, I felt this. Yeah, this episode had some kind of strange moments. You said excessive in that moment. I felt Mandalorian getting punched repeatedly into the wall was kind of <laughs> odd for me. Like I, I, it was just kind of funny, but also like this is just really extreme. Like something like I don't know. It's just like it's just a com. It's like this is a comedy. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah this, it seems like we have. Episode is weird. I was I was kind of fine with that too. Like. There's a lot that I'm fine with, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It's for sure. Just seeing the way people have reacted to this too, where they're like, finally, we got to see Luke in action. Like I was crying. It's like I was six years old again. It's made, it made me feel like a kid. And it's like, it's like, what? Okay. So that's, that's what this is all about. It's just, you want to be a child? <laughs> like, I get, I, I guess it, it's like after Rise of Skywalker too, it was the same thing where. After I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, Star Wars is stupid. <laughs> like, why do I invest so much of my energy into this franchise when it's, oh, yeah, it's it's kind of just <laughs> dumb. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's, like, I love it. It is one of my favorite things that I can enjoy having conversations and debates about with all of my, like, my dear friends. Because every time I, I boil it down, I'm like, hey, I love Star Wars. This has been around my entire life. It is something very dear to me. Yeah. But I'm okay with saying, this is fucking stupid. It's the thing that I was talking about that my brother-in-law said, where it's like, I, lo- I love you like you're my own child, but sometimes <laughs> but, you're a yeah. very stupid child. <laughs> and I want to shake you and say, why are you so stupid? Yeah, and then I, I also retract a little bit too because hey, I'm kind of biased. I enjoyed the movie Solo, and people hate that movie. I, I didn't like enjoyed, it. <laughs> I I like um, the Last Jedi. I like the Last Jedi. All of my, people hate all that. of my friends hate uh, all of my friends hate that movie, and so yeah, I'm glad you like it because yeah, I'm one of the few people who liked it. it. I, I will say Luke Skywalker, and that is the most interesting depiction of Luke. I think we are lucky to have had that depiction of Luke. Because yeah, I've never cried as hard as I did <laughs> in the end of that movie just because they did that so well. I think Ryan Johnson did something very fantastic by just giving us a weird, good Star Wars movie, but also a very human Luke that did something fucking noble. It's like, as hell. Don't you like if you like these this series? Don't you want this shit to be taken and treated seriously and like treated with weight? Um, yeah. No, I just want to see him twirl around with a lightsaber. All right. Yeah. Here you go. Give us that. <laughs> bring back General. And Grievous. now R2's here too. Look, R2's <laughs> yeah. here. Now we get to see Grogu and R2 
talk to each yeah. other because <laughs> he likes shiny things. Yeah, the end. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, like I yeah, like I was thinking about this at the very beginning of this conversation where I was like, I could say a lot of really mean things, but I'm not because like we all fucking love this shit, and so I want to be like. Yeah, like I, I love aspects of it too. I'm not gonna sit here and just talk about how much I fucking hate JJ Abrams. Yeah, man, I, think I, he's hate a it. Hack. I hate it. <laughs> how I, I think he's a hack. During Rise of Skywalker, I, I'm not sure if I told you this, but it was I, I consider it the most bewildering theater experience I've ever had. That like I, believe, I was sitting I in the theater, it. I got I got up to use the restroom, and like as I'm walking out of the theater, Kylo does the um oh, uh, Emperor Palpatine was your grandfather thing. And I'm just, like, standing there, like, on my way to the bathroom, and I'm like, all right, whatever. And then, like, I just go to the restroom. I come back. By the time I come back, um, what's his name? Uh, Donald Gleason's character? (laughs) Um, I don't, yeah, I can't even remember what his character's name is. But I come back, and Donald Gleason's dead. (laughs) And I was like, oh, like, I thought they were going to do something interesting with him being the traitor, but I guess not. Emily goes to the restroom. She comes back. She's like, what did I miss? And I'm like, I don't even fucking know what's going on. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> God, that scene was, that movie was insane. That was like the fastest paced movie I've ever, ever seen. Uh, yeah, I, on, I honestly, I don't remember it because I only saw it once in theaters. I saw the other two multiple times. So I have a lot more, uh, sorry, a lot more found, like uh, a lot more clear opinion yeah. about them but yeah um just the return of skywalker yeah it's like i couldn't tell you anything that happened in that movie besides ray being near waves and them doing this weird telepathic light- lightsaber fight towards the end which made no sense i thought the passing of the lightsaber through the force was pretty cool but yeah i thought that was cool but it was also it was adjacent to a lot of other things like palpatine floating with the, yeah. the weird portal thing which it's, it's like, just jj everyone was such a bad choice <laughs> because it's like he doesn't know how stories work he palpatine floating with the the magical device across the room it's just like silly things like that that also just yeah him being there is also absurd because and like if if he's gonna be here shouldn't this feel climactic but no it's just like opening crawl (laughs) emperor the emperor's back and and like i don't want to go super long (laughs) on it but to be fair is it more disney's fault or is it more jj abrams fault um I mean, it is constructed this disjunct, this disjointed trilogy. So I think it's Disney's fault for announcing a release date before they even had a script uh, for The Force Awakens. And then they they had like half a script from I want to say his name is Michael Arndt or something like that. And then he got fired because he was unable to deliver on time. So J.J. and Lawrence Kasdan wrote a script together pretty quickly. Okay. And we get a movie that doesn't have an ending uh r2d2 just shows up and he's like look i have the map (laughs) completely unrelated to your victory um yeah and see that's what bothers (laughs) me about the announcement of 10 new shows because when they announce yeah we're going to give you a star wars movie every christmas from now until whenever they're like i don't know i was sort of excited about it but then i was conflicted to become like okay i i remember the sequel trilogy mostly in my mind so i don't know if you guys have the competence to make a satisfying Star Wars trilogy, but the fact that it was kind of handed off to multiple people just just felt very weird and yeah. very strange. And having these middle chapters come between it, which actually turned out to like more than yeah. the main trilogy. And yeah, so just this entire Disney era has just been just very strange. And The Mandalorian is, is really cool, but also it has a lot of these same symptoms that are just like, these feel like boardroom decisions. But I think, I think a lot of the problems with the Mandalorian feel they're more aggravating because it has a lot of strength. Um, okay. Like, yeah, I, I really did not like this last episode, but if I did like this last episode, then I would have liked, I would, I would be praising the entire show probably. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, this really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. I feel like if they would just have, tweaked a few things it would have been really fantastic i was expecting ahsoka to stay around more than one episode and it is just so weird that boba fett was it's just like hey boba fett's back okay he's not gonna do anything (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's no interesting conversations with him we don't learn anything about who this character is if i didn't know yeah i can't tell you who boba fett is after watching this show yeah (laughs) yeah just has some nice one-liners that can kind of connect him to 
this big conflict that happened before. But yeah, I feel like this goes back to what I said. I think that if this show had a little bit more time and took its time more, it would be just the difference between it being a great show and a phenomenal TV yeah. show. And right now, I think it's a great TV show. It's just a few tweaks and steps away from being phenomenal. Yeah, I think if, if it was just longer episodes and just they gave us either eight at a time or ten at a time that were all an hour, I think things would have a little bit more room to breathe. And I'm sure, like, but this was this was the problem with the sequels, too. I'm sure if the rest of it's good, <laughs> then it'll be fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we said that about the sequels. Uh, uh. Yeah. All right. Does that wrap things up then? Yeah, I think that's it. Should we talk about the next series? Oh on yeah. The docket. Um. So, even though the Matrix is coming out in a year, <laughs> we thought maybe it would be a good time to revisit the Matrix trilogy. Uh, so next week we will be watching the first of those. Yeah, and we want to choose something a little bit on the shorter side because we've chosen some longer franchises to review. And so, yeah, we're going to do the three Matrix movies. We're going to do a little a little bonus half about the Animatrix and some mm, games, yeah. possibly. That'll be cool. Which are, which are like, real, the video games are really close to me because actually I wasn't allowed to watch the first two movies okay. when they were coming out. So Enter the Matrix was my my way of finessing that but i played enter the matrix i never played path to neo though yeah i haven't played that okay but enter the matrix was really big and then yeah i have plenty and plenty of thoughts about the matrix trilogy because i I rewatched it like two years ago and so i would yeah i watched around then too yeah i'm down all right sweet all right okay this has been episode 19 of vague zone if you want to hit us up with if you want to follow us on twitter you can follow us at at vague zone if you would like to email us you can email us at vaguezonepod at gmail.com got fan mail questions lists if you have comments or positive feedback or negative feedback whatever you'd like send it to me and i'll i'll read over that and that'd be a fantastic way to connect with you guys and so yeah this has been episode 19 i'm one of your hosts thomas and with me always has been daniel yeah well uh catch you on the next one All right, take care, peace.